Welcome to Chill with a Chapter Book. My name is Allison from the Wells Public Library, and this, our last season, we are reading Harriet the Spy by Louise Fitzhugh. Chapter 6 On the next Saturday night, Mr. and Mrs. Welsh were going to a very big party. They had been talking about it for days, and when they were getting ready to go out, they were all in a fluster. Mr. Welsh was put out because he had to wear a white tie and tails and couldn't find anything like studs and things. Mrs. Welsh's dress narrowly missed not getting back from the cleaners in time, and altogether almost everything went wrong. By the time they left, they were in a state of high grumpiness, and Harriet was glad to see them go. Oh, Golly entertained herself usually on nights like this by making some new recipe, like lobster thermidor or chacrute garni, anything that neither she nor Harriet had ever tasted before. This Saturday, however, Oh, Golly seemed in a funny mood. Harriet bounced into the kitchen saying, well, what are we having? And Oh, Golly just looked at her as though she had never made a new dish in her life. Uh, I got some club steaks, asparagus, and we'll have a baked potato. You like asparagus, don't you? She said all this as though she weren't listening to herself. This was really strange. Harriet felt nervous. Old Golly knew perfectly well everything Harriet liked and didn't like. Besides, she happened to love asparagus. Harriet sat down at the table and looked closely at Old Golly. She didn't even answer the question about asparagus, as she really didn't see any need to. Old Golly was checking the potatoes which were baking in the oven. What are we going to do tonight? Harriet asked tentatively. What? asked Old Golly. Oh, Golly, what's the matter with you? I said, what are we going to do tonight? Oh, I'm sorry, Harriet. I didn't hear. I was thinking of something else. Old Golly, Harriet could tell, was deliberately making her face bright and cheery because she didn't want Harriet to ask her what the matter was. I thought we might sit down here in the kitchen and play a game of checkers. In the kitchen? But we always watch television when we play checkers. You said that both things were boring by themselves, but if we did them together, at least your mind was occupied a little. Yes, said Old Golly, and took the asparagus out of the freezer. Well, what do you mean, then, sit down here and play checkers? There isn't any television down here. Harriet felt as if she were talking to a child. Well, I just thought for a change, you know, we'd sit down here. Old Golly kept her back turned to Harriet. The buzzer on the service entrance rang. My, I wonder who that could be, Old Golly said in a light, strange voice and rushed so hard to the door, she almost knocked over a chair. Harriet stared in amazement as Old Golly threw the door open to reveal Mr. Waldenstein all dressed up in a good suit with a bunch of roses in his hand. Why, Mr. Waldenstein, said Old Golly. She knew, thought Harriet, all the time. Good evening, Miss Golly. So very nice of you to invite me to dine with you and... He looked at Harriet, who shot him an outraged look. And with your charming ward. 
He was obviously planning to say more, but Harriet was sending so many nasty looks in his direction that he stammered a bit and stopped. Ogali took his arm and led him to the table. Harriet, she said in the same strained voice, this is Mr. George Waldenstein. Mr. Waldenstein, this is Miss Harriet M. Welch. Well, thought Harriet, at least she remembered the M. Harriet stood up automatically and shook hands with Mr. Waldenstein, who beamed all over his shiny, clean face. His mustache glistened in the light, and his shirt front was so white it was almost blinding. Well, said Old Golly, do sit down. Harriet and Mr. Waldenstein sat down. Then nobody knew what to do. Harriet looked at the ceiling. Mr. Waldenstein smiled at Old Golly, and Old Golly hopped around the kitchen nervously. Well, Mr. Waldenstein, Old Golly began, but Mr. Waldenstein held up his hand in protest. George, please. Oh, yes, said Old Golly, giggling in a way that Harriet had never heard before and instantly hated. George, then, would you like a drink? No, I never take anything. Thank you very much, though, Catherine. Ogali seemed pleased with this answer. Harriet stopped looking at the ceiling and looked at Ogali. I wonder, she thought, why that fat old Mrs. Golly named her Catherine. I have never thought about her being named Catherine or about her being a little girl and going to school and being called Catherine. I wonder what she looked like as a little girl. Even though Harriet tried her best, she couldn't, for the life of her, imagine that big nose on a little girl. Harriet discovered suddenly that Mr. Waldenstein had been staring at her steadily for some time. She decided to stare him down. He looked back at her with such a look of innocent pleasure that she was disconcerted. He looked as though he were thinking about her. Although she hated to admit it, there was a look of intelligence in his eyes. He leaned toward her. I think we have a friend in common, Harriet. Uh-oh, thought Harriet. He's trying to make friends. Who's that? She said in a very unconcerned way. Little Joe Curry, Mr. Waldenstein said simply, then beamed in obvious pleasure at this feat of his. Really? Harriet was very surprised. Yes, little Joe and I are in the same business, you know, and he and I had a talk wherein we discovered that we knew the same charming little girl. Oh, thought Harriet, if adults would only learn how obvious they are. He says that he has seen you many times on his delivery trips, continued Mr. Waldenstein. He certainly eats a lot. Does he? Yes, I imagine he would. He is a growing boy. Well... He hasn't seen me any place else, has he? What do you mean, any place else? Any place else, that's all. He sees you walking home from school. Oh. Harriet felt relief. She sat looking at the tabletop. Somehow she felt that now she was equally responsible for keeping this limping conversation on its feet, and this irritated her. Little Joe Curry is a profound enigma to me, Catherine. Mr. Waldenstein leaned back expansively, obviously feeling that he had conquered the enemy and could now relax. He has no other ambition than to be a delivery boy. After all, to me, this makes very little sense. 
That's because you have known another life, said Olgali, and smiled at him. Harriet wondered what other life Mr. Waldenstein had known. Yes, he said, turning to Harriet. It is one thing to come to this the way I have, to give myself time to think, and another thing to just be this all your life and never want more. I had a big business, you see, Harriet. Once long ago, I had a very big business. I was a jeweler. I made a lot of money. I had a wife and a son, and my wife went to Florida every year with my son. I had a lot of money, and I was the most miserable man alive. He looked at Harriet as though he expected absolution. She said nothing at all, but looked straight at him. I had a terrible ulcer, terrible pains every time I ate or drank. Life was worth nothing. It was so much dust in my hands. Then, Mr. Waldenstein looked off into space as though he had forgotten what he was going to say. Life is very strange, said Olgali gently. This was one of her favorite expressions, and hearing it, Harriet felt somehow reassured. Yes, said Mr. Waldenstein, and then, having recovered himself, he continued. I saw that life was going to be dust if I kept it up, always dust, nothing more. And so I told my wife to take all the money and my son, too. I told her that if she wanted to come with me and start over, she could. But she didn't. A harshness crept into his voice. She didn't. Well, that was her choice. We all make choices. Every minute of every day, Old Golly intoned. And so I became a delivery boy, and suddenly life was sweet. Mr. Waldenstein let out a ringing little laugh, the laugh of a happy child. Well, said Harriet, because she could think of nothing else. It must have taken a lot of courage, said Old Golly, bending over the stove. No, said Mr. Waldenstein. Desperation. Suddenly, Harriet liked him. She couldn't think why, but she did. And now... He had a funny, shy smile on his face. Now I have some news. I have been thinking about two living as one. I have some good news. I am promoted to cashier. I start next week. Why, that's wonderful. Ogali turned with a big smile, and Harriet saw with surprise that there were tears glistening at the corner of her eyes. Isn't that wonderful, Harriet? We must celebrate. I should think it would be more fun riding the bike than all those numbers, said Harriet. Mr. Waldenstein threw back his head and laughed. And I have thought as you, Harriet, all this time. I needed that time. He considered a second. But now, now I have had my time to think. I know that it will never be dust again, never. And so I can work harder and climb a little and have a little more. He held up his hand. Not much more, but a little. Because I have... I have myself now. I know the value... The, the value of things. He tried desperately to express himself. Well, said Harriet again. Well now, said Old Golly. How about some dinner now? and she began putting dinner on the table. Mr. Waldenstein watched her warmly, appreciatively. 
When she had finished and they were all eating, he said, I would like to suggest a celebration. I would like to suggest taking you two charming ladies to the cinema. And he smiled sweetly at both of them. Oh no, we couldn't do that. Olgali looked very stern. Why not? Why not? Come on, Olgali, let's go. Harriet wanted suddenly, desperately, to go. She felt Mr. Waldenstein deserved something, and besides, she never got to go to the movies. Oh no, said Olgali, out of the question. Oh dear, said Mr. Waldenstein, and why is that, Catherine? Why, it's obvious I have my work too, Mr. Wal- George, and I am here with my charge for the evening. I must stay here. It would never do. Oh, of course, what a pity. Mr. Waldenstein looked terribly sad. But, oh golly, they won't be in till late. You know that. When Daddy wears a white tie, they're never in until real late. You told me that. Harriet felt prepared to beg all night. After all, Catherine, no harm is done by it. Perhaps for once. He smiled so sweetly. And it would give me such pleasure. Ogali blushed again, deeply. Flustered suddenly, she got up quickly and went to the refrigerator. I forgot your milk, Harriet. And would you like coffee or tea, George? I've forgotten to give us anything to drink. Can I have a Coke instead? asked Harriet. No, said Olgali. You will have milk. But it's got radiation in it. So have you got it in you. You're having milk. This was the Olgali Harriet knew. Stern, uncompromising. It made Harriet feel comfortable. If some danger were to come to the child, I would understand, Catherine. But as it is, a simple movie, a soda perhaps afterward at the drugstore, no harm will come, Mr. Waldenstein pleaded simply. Oh boy, said Harriet, and jumped up from the table. I'll go get the paper and see what's playing. She ran upstairs to the library and went through the paper quickly to see what she wanted to see first before they got hold of it. She studied the paper thoroughly. She was torn between a spooky thing about children with funny eyes and a spectacular about the Greek gods. She decided it was the better part of wisdom to suggest the latter. Anyway, it was in color. She ran to the kitchen, yelling the whole way. Look, look, oh golly, look, it's just perfect. It's what I'm studying, and I like Apollo and Athena the best. Look, I can learn all about them. When she hit the kitchen, she noticed a change. Mr. Waldenstein and Olgali were looking into each other's eyes. They both had perfectly ridiculous expressions on their faces. They didn't even seem to have heard her. Olgali looked up dreamily. It's all decided, Harriet. We're going to the movies, she said sweetly. Oh boy, said Harriet, and sat down and gobbled up the rest of her dinner. Not so fast, Mr. Waldenstein laughed. The movie will be there. Harriet noticed that she was the only one eating. Evidently, they both had no appetite that night. See, here are the starting times, she said nervously, because she had the feeling that if she didn't get them out of the door, they would forget all about it. Old Golly looked at the paper. I suppose we should go to the early show just to be safe, she said. Goody, said Harriet and finished her dinner in a whirl. She jumped up and raced upstairs for her coat. 
When she got downstairs again, they both had their coats on. The three of them went out the back door, around to the front of the house, and there they stood in confusion, confronted by the delivery bike. Mr. Waldenstein didn't seem worried. Ah, he said, it's very simple. I have washed thoroughly the inside today, and Harriet will just fit. Catherine has already proven her adeptness at riding on the top. We could just take the bus, said Old Golly nervously. Oh no, let's do this, Old Golly, please. I want to ride in it. Harriet jumped up and down on one foot. Old Golly finally relented and went back and got a blanket with which she lined the inside. Harriet found it very cozy when she got in. When the lid started to come down, she said hurriedly, Can I breathe? Mr. Waldenstein then showed her the holes for ventilation, and she felt better. The lid closed. Harriet heard Old Golly jump on top. Then Mr. Waldenstein pushed off from the curb, and they were off. They whirled down the hill and zoomed around into 86th Street. It was terribly exciting. Harriet could hear all the traffic noises and Old Golly and Mr. Waldenstein's conversation as they yelled to be heard over the noise. I'm the happiest man alive, Catherine, he yelled. Look out for that truck, yelled Old Golly. Don't worry, I have precious bundles, shrieked Mr. Waldenstein. I think that's it ahead. Yes, I see, he screamed. Where can you park? Oh, anywhere. That is the one advantage of this method of transportation. They were slowing down. Then they stopped. Harriet popped up like a jack-in-the-box as soon as she heard Old Golly get off. They all laughed together because it was so much fun. Harriet thought the movie was a gas. Zeus was very angry all the time and made a lot of temples fall over every time something displeased him. Paul Newman was Apollo and Shirley MacLaine was Athena. Harriet knew them from movie star pictures her father brought home for her. She looked over every now and then to see how Old Golly was liking it, but she didn't even seem to be watching much. They just kept looking at each other. It occurred to Harriet that maybe that was why Old Golly didn't mind going to the movies. She never looked at them, so she might just as well be there as any place else. Afterward, they went to a drugstore across the street, and Mr. Waldenstein said she could have any kind of soda she wanted. She didn't really like sodas that much, so she had an egg cream, which she loved. They thought this was very funny for some reason, but she didn't care. They had giant sodas which they didn't finish, and they took so long that she had another egg cream. Then they went back to the bike and Harriet climbed in again. She felt so delicious that she almost fell asleep on the ride back. She could tell when they were almost there because Mr. Waldenstein was having a terrible time pushing up the hill on East End. Then they stopped with a jerk, and she knew they were home. Harriet heard Old Golly say, Oh no, in an astonished voice. Then she slipped off the cart. Harriet opened the top of the cart, and sticking her head up, saw with amazement that the front door to the house was wide open, with light streaming down from the front hall onto the steps and sidewalk. The three of them froze in their various positions, staring at the door. Is it robbers? said Mr. Waldenstein softly, and started looking around for a policeman. He was still astride the bike, 
Old Golly was still standing on the sidewalk, and Harriet was still poking her head out of the top of the cart, when suddenly there was a scream, and Mrs. Welsh was standing in the front door, the light hitting the glittering stuff of her dress and making it sparkle. "'What is this? What is the meaning of this? Miss Golly, I am amazed!' Old Golly started toward the door, her arms open in the beginning of explanation. Simultaneously, Harriet realized what must have happened. The Welshes had come home early. Oh dear, she thought. We're in for it. Where is my child? Mrs. Welsh was screaming hysterically. Harriet, where is Harriet? Old Golly started to talk, still going toward her. Is that you, Harriet? What are you doing in that thing? Mrs. Welsh, Old Golly started but got nowhere because Mrs. Welsh turned abruptly back toward the house with a scream. Come here, come here quickly, she called toward the open doorway. They took Harriet someplace. Mrs. Welsh, Old Golly was running now, horrified. She was on the top step by the time Mr. Welsh came to the door. The three of them stood framed in the light while Harriet and Mr. Waldenstein stared in open-mouthed astonishment. "'What in the world?' began Mr. Welsh, then ran down the steps two at a time, and in one move lifted Harriet bodily out of the cart. "'Who are you?' he breathed heavily into Mr. Waldenstein's face. "'I—we I, went—no harm meant, sir. Miss Golly and I—' Mr. Waldenstein looked terrified. "'Miss Golly?' Mr. Welsh said this in a terrible voice as he headed for the door with Harriet in his arms. Over his shoulder he said, And don't you go away. Come inside here. And he waited until Mr. Waldenstein had leaned the bike against the curb and was following him. He stood aside and let Mr. Waldenstein go ahead as though he thought he would run away. They went up to the doorway and Mrs. Welsh and Old Golly moved inside ahead of them. Mr. Welsh closed the door, and then all four of them just stood there. Mr. Welsh put Harriet down, pushing her a little behind him, as though to protect her, then said, Now what is this business? Who is this man, Miss Golly? He... this... Old Golly was speechless. I would like to take the trouble to introduce myself, please, sir, said Mr. Waldenstein, trying out his most winning smile. "'I wish you would. I don't like the look of this at all,' Mr. Welsh said huffily. "'I think there's been some misunderstanding,' began Mr. Waldenstein. "'There isn't any misunderstanding. What are we all standing here talking like this for?' Mrs. Welsh was screaming at the top of her lungs. "'Who is this man?' she turned on her husband. "'What are you chatting with him for?' "'Mrs. Welsh,' Old Golly had her most dignified voice. Mrs. Welsh, I would like to explain that no harm has come to Harriet. We simply went, but she got no further. Harm? Harm? Mrs. Welsh screamed. What about the harm to me to come home in the middle of the night? Do you realize that it is twelve o'clock, Miss Golly? Do you realize that? There was something about Mrs. Welsh's hysteria that made it impossible to combat. They were all floored by it as by a giant wave. She screamed on into the silence. 
I have never had such a terrifying experience. I don't care what you did or where you went. This is not going to happen again. I tell you, Miss Golly, you are fired. The last word fell like a dropped tray. There was utter silence afterward. Then Harriet burst into tears. Even as she did it, she felt slightly ridiculous, as though she were calling too much attention to herself. But she couldn't help it. The world was falling in pieces at her feet. There! There! You see the state of my child? Mrs. Welsh sounded melodramatic, even to Harriet. As she crossed the room and held Harriet's head against her side. That is enough for me. You're fired, and I want you to get out of here immediately. Ogali said nothing. Her face registered total astonishment. Now, dear, Mr. Welsh began, turning toward his wife. Ogali drew herself up firmly. Her voice was level, but Harriet could hear great feeling underneath. Harriet stopped crying to listen. Mr. Welsh? Mrs. Welsh? I hope that you know me well enough by now to know that as long as this child is in my care, not one thing could harm her in any way. If anyone were to try to harm her, they would have to do it over my dead body. Harriet's eyebrows went up. This was impressive. I don't care. Don't you understand? You're fired. Mrs. Welsh stood her ground. Darling, let's talk about this reasonably, Mr. Welsh appealed to her. I am taking Harriet up to bed. She has seen enough for one night. If you want to discuss this further with this woman and this strange man you have never laid eyes on before, then go right ahead. And with that, Mrs. Welsh marched Harriet right up the steps. Harriet tried once to twist away, but Mrs. Welsh had such an iron grip on her that she couldn't even turn. Mrs. Welsh marched her into her room, got her pajamas out, and started to take off Harriet's clothes. I can undress myself, Harriet said peevishly, for heaven's sake, and she pulled her pajamas away from her mother. Her mother was so distracted, she didn't even seem to notice this rude behavior. She didn't even say anything to Harriet, but rushed from the room and down the steps again. Everyone, thought Harriet, has gone nuts. What was going to happen to old Golly? Then she realized that she could hide on the steps and hear everything. She proceeded to do this immediately. Leaning over the banister, she watched her mother go bounding down the steps. I have never seen her like this, thought Harriet. And she thought of a phrase she had heard her mother use about other people. Outlandish behavior. Was this outlandish behavior? From where Harriet sat, her head poked between the uprights of the banister. She could see old golly, Mr. Waldenstein, and her father discussing the situation in whispered gestures, which stopped abruptly when Mrs. Welsh dove into the scene. I hope you've arrived at something. Mrs. Welsh's voice had a most peculiar tremble to it. I certainly hope you don't think you've done something behind my back, because I want you to know you're not going to get away with it. This was addressed to Mr. Welsh, who answered with a blank look. Mrs. Welsh, Mr. Waldenstein was smiling, in a terribly ingratiating manner. I don't even know who you are, said Mrs. Welsh rudely. Darling, Mr. Welsh went over to his wife and put his arm around her. This is Mr. Waldenstein, and he and Miss Golly have something to tell us. 
Before Mrs. Welsh could get her mouth open, Mr. Waldenstein held up his hand to get attention. He then started, calmly and solidly, to speak in a way that held this attention. Mrs. Welsh, I know how upsetting this kind of thing can be. I have a child myself. His voice spread over them like butter on a burn. I simply want to say that, unexpectedly for all concerned, this misunderstanding does not have to be a tragedy. If it weren't for the fact that just this evening I had asked for the hand of Miss Golly in marriage, and she has most kindly accepted me, the loss of her very pleasant place here, with you, would certainly be just that, a tragedy. But, as it is, I do not think that she need have one minute's unpleasantness about this. She has said to me that she would be leaving next month anyway. I only hoped, and I know I speak for her too in this, that the parting could be more amicable than this. He stepped back one step, and by doing so, indicated that he had finished. Mrs. Welsh looked at him blankly, her mouth slightly open. Harriet leaned so far out, she almost fell to the next floor. Old Golly looked at the floor. Mr. Welsh moved closer to his wife. Darling, it seems they only went to the movies anyway. Harriet is safe, you know. He said this in a warm, soft way, and then they all stood looking at Mrs. Welsh. But, Miss Golly, you can't leave. What would we do without you? Mrs. Welsh accomplished this extraordinary about-face without so much as a flicker of embarrassment. Old Golly looked up, and Harriet saw a flush of pride on her face. I thank you for that, Mrs. Welsh. She stood looking at Mrs. Welsh for a second before she spoke again. I think, however, that in many ways the time has come, not only for me, but for Harriet as well. On the stairs, Harriet felt profound shock. Coupled with this was a tiny thread of excitement, which ran through her at the thought that Old Valley must mean that she, Harriet, was able to take care of herself. Is that true? She asked herself, and she had no answer. Old Golly held the stage. The other three looked at her in wonder. She seized her moment and spoke. The time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things. Harriet knew the words so well that without a second's thought, she found herself standing at the top of the stairs saying them. All heads turned toward her. Old Golly continued, Of shoes and ships and sealing wax, Of cabbages and kings. Harriet found herself laughing down at Old Golly's smiling face as they went on alternating the lines. And why the sea is boiling hot. Old Golly had the funniest look, halfway between laughter and tears. Harriet shouted the last with glee. And whether pigs have wings. She had always loved that line. It was her favorite. Old Golly didn't leave until the next afternoon. When Harriet got home from school, Old Golly was finishing up her packing. Harriet ran pell-mell into the room. When did he ask you? I was there the whole time. When did he ask you to marry him? Harriet had been waiting all day to ask this. Well, remember when we were having the sodas, and you went over to look at the books on the rack? Yes. Then. It was then that he asked me. 
Ogali smiled at her. Well, well, what did it feel like? What do you mean? I mean, what does it feel like to have somebody ask you? Harriet was getting very impatient. Olgali looked toward the window, folding something absently. It feels... it feels... You jump all over inside. You... as though doors were opening all over the world. It's bigger somehow, the world. That doesn't make any sense, said Harriet sensibly. She sat down with a plop on the bed. Well, nonetheless, that's what you feel. Feeling never makes any sense anyway, Harriet. You should know that by now, Olgali said pleasantly. Maybe. Harriet knew as she said it that it was a baby thing to say, but she couldn't help it. Maybe there's a lot of things I don't know. Olgali didn't even look at her, which was reassuring for some reason. Nonsense. You know quite enough. Quite enough for yourself and a great deal more than some people. Harriet lolled back on the bed and looked at the ceiling. Will Mr. Waldenstein be working right around the corner? She asked casually. No, we have decided to visit his mother and father in Montreal. Then if we like it there, we might make our home there. Montreal? Screamed Harriet. Where's that? Harriet, don't take on so. It's unbecoming. Besides, you know perfectly well it's in Canada. I remember when you found it out. I know, but I won't see you then. Harriet sat up. You've no need to see me. You don't need a nurse now. When you're big and you sell your first book, I'll come into the bookstore and get a signed copy. How about that? Old Golly gave her old smile. Wow, you mean you'll ask for my autograph? I guess you could put it that way. Anyway, I'll look you up sometime when you're grown, just to see what you made of yourself, because I'll be curious. Now help me carry this stuff downstairs. Harriet jumped up and picked up things. Are you going to be happy with Mr. Waldenstein? Yes, very. Don't forget that little bag over there. And old Golly went through the door. Is it fun being married? Harriet continued as they went down the steps. How should I know? I've never been married. However, I doubt if it's all fun. Nothing ever is, you know. Well, are you going to have a lot of children? And love them better than you? No, never. I'm probably going to work a little more until he gets a little more money, so I'll be a nurse to someone. But there's only one Harriet. Remember that. And old golly opened the front door. Well, well, said Harriet helplessly. You better get to work. You've missed a whole afternoon with your notebook. Old golly was looking up and down the street for a cab. She seemed to be in a hurry. Harriet threw herself up on Olgali's neck and, putting both arms around, hugged with all her might. Goodbye, Harriet the spy, whispered Olgali into Harriet's neck. Harriet felt tears start in her eyes. Olgali put her down sternly. None of that. Tears won't bring me back. Remember that. Tears never bring anything back. Life is a struggle, and a good spy gets in there and fights. Remember that. No nonsense. And with that, she picked up her bags and was down the steps. A cab pulled up and old Golly was gone before Harriet could say a word. She thought, though, as she remembered old Golly leaning down toward the bags, that she had seen one tear fall. 
That night, as she got ready for bed alone, after having taken her bath alone, she wrote in her notebook, I feel all the same things when I do things alone as when old Golly was here. The bath feels hot, the bed feels soft, but I feel there's a funny little hole in me that wasn't there before, like a splinter in your finger, but this is somewhere above my stomach. She turned out the light and went immediately to sleep without even reading. <laughs>